Let's go. Let's go. It's the Plank Show on a uh, weather-aware Monday. So let me let me go ahead and start. Now that I have a, a, a new best friend that is a weatherman, uh, and, and not just like the TV kind, like a real life lives it weatherman. Boy, that sounded like a shot at Weatherman. I did not mean it that way. I'm sorry. Like, uh, you guys nerd out, but then you put makeup on and and you put on a show for us, right? Is that fair? That's not mean. That's true. Uh, he literally, while you're out there telling people what's going on, he's living it. Living it, Dr. Kevin Clazel. And the first text I got this morning was a note to everyone. They're going to be cold. And as of late morning, here in the Norman Metro, where we broadcast from on the Homa Sooner fans, you can expect slushy rain, morning rain, right? A little morning rain here. And slushy wet snow on the way. The rain by late morning will be a mix of rain and snow. And then slushy wet snow ending late this afternoon. Good times. Good times. Let's just let's add a good old-fashioned little weather mess to what has been a disaster of a football weekend for your boy. Tulsa, don't you sit here and laugh, all right? You don't, you're not getting away with this either. You're, you're getting some on you as well. So for the Tulsa campus, but later in the day, rain, then rain-snow mix, then slushy snow. So you don't get out of this. We're all going to be sliding around together in this misery that is the 2022 college and pro football season. Now, I know there might be some Eagles fans out there that are saying, nothing wrong with it. Congrats. Good for you. I'm glad that Cinderella story of Philadelphia is finally getting its opportunity. Welcome into the Plank Show. So, weather. Be weather aware today. Be smart. You dopes that don't have any weight in the back of your truck, you're going to wreck. Put... Book up. Do we? Uh, by the way, TJ's a truck owner. I haven't had a truck in a while. Do we still put sandbags back there, or it, whatever it is? Be smart. Don't have to be the fastest guy on the road. Don't be weaving in and out of pra- traffic. There's people out there like me who are like, I can't wreck this car because if I do, I'm not going to get a new one, and my daughter will probably give me a ride on a horse to work. Think about your friends. Today I'm on campus at the University of Oklahoma, as we have been every single Monday during the college football season. Uh, I co-host a show called Coach's Corner, and today we talk with Bill Beatenbow and Miguel Chavis. This would be obviously unprecedented times for the University of Oklahoma because in a lot of ways these shows historically have been, I don't want to say a celebration, but... At the very least, a more upbeat conversation coming out of a win and getting ready for a big game the next weekend. Unfortunately, um, these shows have turned into where can it be fixed? What's going on? What's wrong? How do we get it turned around? And I think, as we say good morning, I think, to Josh Helmer in the Brown O'Haver Studios. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, and how are you? Not good. Um, But, I mean, not good in my sports world. Everything else is great. I've never been happier as a person and more miserable as a sports fan. 
Does that make any sense at all? It completely makes sense. <laughs> Life is good. Life is but good. Football stinks. Sports is not. But I, I just kind of feel like I don't want things to get apathetic, right? And that's that's where you start getting worried. Whenever you start, I don't. I don't need denouncing of your fandoms like seemed to be the case for some reason in my mentions on Saturday night. Oh, by the way, you know when I know things aren't going well, Josh? I know when people are really, really mad, not only when they lost, but when I start catching strays. Whenever it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you talk too much down there. Got some old bag on Twitter yelling at me for that. I got, I've got some dude that's like, are you providing anything of substance down there on the sidelines? And I'm like, I don't. No, probably not. I mean, just to be honest with you, <laughs> I, I'm just in it for the shoes and the shirt, pal. But no, it's just, whenever that – I'm like, that is one of those moments when, you know, people are just mad and they're looking for anyone to blame and anything to be mad about and, and anything that's going to somehow make them feel a little bit better about things because as the very first tweet to our show promotion tweet this morning, the very first reply from – my good friends Terry and Robert over the Sooner Football Fans Podcast, who it's not a complete game day for me, Josh, unless I get to dab up Terry in the north end zone. But I sent the tweet out and it was like, thoughts? And this is, I feel how everyone kind of feels right now. They wrote, we have no words, completely bum-fuzzled, which might not be a real world word, but I do kind of like it, Terry. Bum-fuzzled. It's almost as if, Josh, they keep finding unique ways in these tight games to snatch a win right out of a, a an opportunity or to snatch a defeat. What, what's the joke? Uh, they snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. Well, we're kind of doing the opposite uh, this year in Norman. And it's just in some ways you feel like it's the same old stuff. In other ways you feel like it's something new. That has has risen. It's something new that has popped up. It's just, I think in a word, bum-fuzzled's pretty good. Uh, frustrated, enraging, disappointing, shocking. I mean, there's there's every every so often I'll think, they're 3-0 and we were riding high. And we have this segment we call the Thursday Worries just as a joke because we thought things were going so good. And now you're sitting here with two games to go at 5-5, five and five, and the battle is to get bowl eligible. What's going on? How did this happen, Josh? How did they lose Saturday? Yeah, well, the the obvious answer to Saturday is you've got one side of the football that we kind of felt okay about, right? Sure. Offensively, and you got one side of the football that has been the, the massive uh, disappointment on this football team. Couldn't stop the run. Uh, big, big moments, third downs, fourth downs, defense has, has surrendered those. Okay, well, I don't know that you can count on this defense giving you two halves like the first half that it gave you. So defensively, uh, you know, a unit that's been maligned steps up to the plate, plays well, and, you know, if you had told me that, and I don't have the drive charts in front I've of me. I've got it right in front of me. How, how many stops did Oklahoma's defense come away with? They only gave up the one touchdown in the first half. Well, so. here's, West, here's West Virginia's drive summary for the first half. You ready? Yep. Turnover on downs. Punt. Punt. 
punt, fumble, punt. Six drives. They held West Virginia. Which included, um, they had they had made, oh, they hadn't quite made the change. to Oh, yeah, they made the change to Green and went back to Daniels, remember? They made the change to Green, went back to Daniels, and they, they forced him on a fun again. A uh, punt again, whatever a punt is. So, yeah. And, by the way, the punt drive was an 11-play, 44-yard drive that ended the first quarter, and they got pressure on Garrett Green pretty consistently, and a third and 11 that was inching towards field goal range for West Virginia was screwed up on a false start. That pushed him back six yards. So, yeah, you – that's not bad, Josh. That's not bad defensively. And, oh, by the way, yes, West Virginia scored on that final drive of the first half. You return the two-point conversion to make it, um, what was it at that point, 12-6. to six. And then you force a punt on the first drive of the third quarter. So, yeah, not, not, not bad on that stretch in the first half. And a lot of folks, understandably, will point to Oklahoma allowed West Virginia to score on four out of their final six drives, Correct. I think is uh, the number that happened. But, look, I, I don't know what to tell everybody outside of I don't think the defense can give you a whole heck of a lot more right now than what it gave you to start this game. And, unfortunately, we wake up this morning on this Monday to the reality of that's kind of what bad football teams do, Plank, when – They've got one side of the football that has mightily struggled, and lo and behold, it plays well. Then mysteriously, the side of the football that you think's pretty good has a disappearing act, and that's that's what bad football teams do, right? They don't play complementary football. And I felt, I felt like against Iowa State, that corner had been turned because. You look back at the win over Kansas, and he, again, I'm not going to sit here and do three hours of trying to blow smoke and tell you, yeah, I remember those good old days of beating Kansas. So I'm just calling, don't, don't get mad. I'm just using it as some perspective. <laughs> Everyone is very, very angry right now. I get it. But remember Kansas, Josh, the offense had, what, a couple turnovers, but still. You know, it was the big day throwing the football. Dylan Gabriel, after missing a half and a, a full game, they came out against Kansas, and it was an offensive show, but the defense still struggled. Against Iowa State, it was complimentary football. Really, truly was. Um, I think you could look back at maybe one or two plays against Iowa State, and you're like, oof, that was pretty bad defensively. But for the most part, solid defensive performance, outstanding special teams performance, and a solid offensive day. And then all of a sudden, against Baylor, not complimentary football, and against West Virginia, maybe in what I just laid out, thinking about that drive chart, the least complimentary football game they played? Is that that how you would say it? Um, Because I think you just laid it out pretty well. I like to use the golf analogy, right? What does everyone always talk about in golf? Well, you know, I, I suck at golf, but I can drive it okay. 
but what happens when you're not driving it okay? And then suddenly, oh, I'm hitting my irons. My irons are hit. I'm crushing it. Well, then the couple holes later, you can't hit your irons anymore, but you're putting, and and you can kind of drive a little bit. It's like n- there were moments of brilliance where they could drive, but they couldn't. Their their mid range game. I'm sorry, no, is that improper way to to lay that out? Their mid iron game was off. Their chipping was on, but they couldn't putt. It's like nothing. Nothing Saturday came together for them, Josh. They had moments of brilliance in two of those three phases. Well, three of those three. Turk got a couple nice punts. But in at least offense and defense, and it just never – it wasn't consistent. It never matched up. It wasn't, quote, unquote, complimentary. It wasn't. No, it, it wasn't. The uh, driver, if it was working, that's great. But the approach game stunk. Uh, putting, couldn't buy one. Then all of a sudden, putters heating up. But you know what? We're putting for bogey. So it's I have I have one way to look at it that'll make you very angry, which I'll tell you about next. I mean, I just I I think you guys all know I am a glass half full kind of a guy. I always am. But in my sports world, I have been beaten to a pulp. It's like, I'm out. I'm done. What more can happen? What more can happen? I've got to do a show with a Chief fan who, even when his team is terrible, they're rolling the Jaguars. Uh, I'm sorry, like not terrible. You know, didn't play well, right? They didn't play their best game, and they're rolling teams. Um, I've got to do a show on Sunday night with a guy who picks the Dolphins to go to the Super Bowl every single year, and now all of a sudden they're pretty good. But it's also funny because I feel like their implosion is coming, Josh, when their schedule gets a little tougher. I, I feel like that bottom's about to fall out in Miami pretty quick, though they have a very impressive passing game. Mike McDaniel's been awesome. Um, so I, I live with this misery of people that are happy with their NFL teams, at least. I don't even have that to fall back on. Steeler fans used to have that to fall back on, right? They don't have that anymore. But I've, I've got a way to look at it that would either maybe make you look at it and go, okay, I see. Or ang- a- angst, anger, disappointment, whatever it might be, with how things have gone through 10 games. Josh Helmer, if at 3-0, I would have come into this show on that Monday and said, I'm still not seeing it, dude. I think they'll be they'll be lucky to get bowl eligible. Well, would I, I would have been fired on the spot, right? I mean, Casey and Brian would have had termination papers ready. And I probably would have been thrown into a, some sort of um, some sort of therapy, dude. Are you okay? Are you watching this? Have you seen it? And, and yet here we are. And probably then now I'd be getting on the phone saying, "Okay, now what did you what did you like for the Powerball numbers this evening? <laughs> How the heck did you have this figured out?" All right. Quick break. When we come back, a little bit of Brent Venables post. We've uh, obviously got a unique feel to our Monday show because. I have to bail an hour three to, to talk to the coaches, so we got that coming up. Plus, I haven't opened it yet, but the Air Comfort Solutions text line, man, we'll hit all your texts. Hit, get after it. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. This is the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. This is the Home of Sooner Fans with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. You know, um, I will say, you, you can't even take delight in little things like Texas losing either, can you, Josh? Whenever th- <laughs> it's like, 
Uh, it was kind of funny because I saw there was a little bit of brawling on Twitter about, well, you know, at least we're not in Texas' spot, and then Texas is like, what do you mean? Our Texas fans are, at the very least, we're not imploding and being barely bowl eligible, and then all of a sudden it's, hello, 2021 is calling. I mean, I I don't know. Whenever things are this bad, I, I don't even think you can talk gas. I think you just kind of sit back and – Maybe maybe use Twitter to have some good political discussions. I always find social media to be a very fair and good place for political discussions, Josh. It's sarcasm, by the way, people. I just – I don't know what you can say outside of showing your support without teeing up your rival to absolutely decapitate you on Twitter. You know, here, here's what's funny. I was thinking about this, Josh. You tell me if I'm right or wrong. There is this certain, hey, let's go win Bedlam. Let's get, we got we to gotta drag Oklahoma State in Bedlam, then we'll feel better. No, you won't. No, you won't. Because let's say Oklahoma puts together its best performance of the year and cuts out some of these little mistakes that keep happening, and they they roll Oklahoma State. Then what's the reaction on Monday? Pfft, where's that been? I don't. This is why I don't watch because I don't care. Oklahoma State doesn't matter. Where's that been? So it's kind of like a right. You're like a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right now, sorry language. You're kind of. I can't think of any other way to put that. It fits. It really truly does, Josh. Because now, even let's say they go out and play well the last few games, the most uh, positive people be like, yeah, the foundation set for next year. Get this bowl game. Let's go. Everyone else is like, well, where the heck was that the rest of the season? Why weren't we doing that earlier? I mean, you're not going to be able to truly win over everyone, and you shouldn't whenever you're in this position. No, and unfortunately, the loss to West Virginia, I think, is probably the first time where most everybody can agree, oh, wait a second, that that's bad. That's bad. That's, that's not good, right? To where previous losses, obviously the Texas game, you just throw it out because of the Dylan Gabriel situation. You were frustrated with uh, what happened versus both Kansas State and the fashion in which, before Gabriel went down, you were losing at TCU. Baylor, you kind of understood at that point, okay, toss-up, still not an awful opponent. West Virginia's bad, right? right. You lose to West Virginia this bad. bad now you're 5-5. Five and five. Everybody sort of agrees, <clears throat> that, that's, that's one that if you're good, you probably don't lose that game. So with that in mind, it sets, sets us up for – kind of just an off-season of, I think, a level of infighting to some oh, degree. Yes. And it just kind of is what it is. Now, that being said, look, I, I said this to end last week, Plank, just going into the game, that there's no tonic-like winning. And while I agree with what you're saying there, and generally speaking, you're, you're right that there's just going to be, because of the way this has now transpired, there's going to be a faction of the fan base that says – you know, any any win, well, why didn't it happen before? And it's not good enough, and we're still right. not where we want to be. Right. It will help winning Bethlehem. It will help winning in Lubbock. But, right. hey, they, they got to find a way to go win those games. Here's uh, here's what I was talking about when I said I'm going to make, make the haters really mad, and I'll maybe give the sunshine pumpers something. There's no – this, you know, sometimes you'll look at a box score or a play-by-play or rewatch a game, 
and you go through and you're like, well, if they just did this, this, and this, and then this, this, and this, this game's a blowout, right? You're basically saying, I'm just using that as a hypothetical. A lot of people look back at a game and they it's like, well, if we would have converted this and if that defensive back would have just dropped a wouldn't have dropped the intercept, like you, you go through and you find out that your team had to play perfect to be in a game. Josh, Oklahoma didn't have to play close to perfect to easily go into that halftime locker room with a 21-7 or let's say that returned two points still happens, a 23-6 lead. I mean, they don't have to play near perfect at all. They made three – and actually, you know what, maybe even shut them out, right? Maybe even shut them out. You're in a you're in a position where you you miss a field goal on the first drive. So I'm not even including that. I'm saying, all right, that's fine. Missed field goal first drive. You know, I'm not wanting them to play a perfect pa- half. Mims is wide open again. Walked into the end zone. Drops it. Braden Willis gets a little bit further past the line of scrimmage than he should have been which, as, as I've come to understand, is something they test and rep consistently, right? You know, you, you could even, if you want to drill a little bit deeper on that, Josh, you're in a fourth and one on a drive that you end up getting shut down in West Virginia territory and you get a false start where it easily could have been a, a short yardage conversion. And, yeah, there was a lot going on in that drive too. I mean, there was There was a lot, but – I mean, there's – it's just it's a mess whenever you think about how close they could have been to really putting themselves in a great position. Oh, and then how about this? Just play special teams. You know, you, you finally get up 10-zip, and, you know, what happened in the Kansas State game, Josh, whenever they finally drew even with Kansas State? Knowles gets the big kick return, and it's like – bleep sets him up with a short field what happens whenever you finally you're up 10 zip you just had a a big time drive everything was coming together right mims makes the big catch on the sideline after the drop you're like all right here we go and you give up the big kick return you don't even have to play near perfect and you're dominating that game at halftime and you're rewarding that defense for what they did with um six straight stops to start the game and they couldn't do it and that's that's either a way that makes you matter or will you say gosh if it's just if there is one thing I've learned from Brent Venables is it's the fine details and Sooners got those breaks offensively and I'm not saying they needed breaks over the last you know five or six years this isn't like an indictment on my on my end on the on the Riley era but you know those Fourth and ones, well, let's say it gets down to fourth and six. Well, guess what? Jalen Hurts is going to scramble for seven and pick it up. Kyler Murray is going to dance around in the pocket until the defense is wore out and pick you up seven or eight year there. Baker Mayfield's going to – you know, those moments in the past, Oklahoma picked up. And it just was – it hasn't happened this year. It hasn't happened. So you're frustratingly putting yourself in positions – where you could be 
And and West Virginia is the game that stands out. I'm not going to say that they could have dominated Baylor, but you cut down on turnovers, you beat Baylor. And it, it might beat them handily. You you just make one play here or there against West Virginia and we're having a much different conversation here today. Not saying it's all sunshine and roses, but and I'm not saying, oh, they're close. Trust me, I'm not saying that. But I don't know, Josh, if that makes people matter or if it makes them realize just that it is a deeper attention to detail that will get figured out as time progresses under this coaching staff. You're a third down away against Kansas State from getting off field. Yep, getting the football back, and, and who knows at that point. So we could, if, if in that, our way to, I don't know what, eight, eight and two, right? I don't know about the TC or the Texas game if we can do that. But No, you can't. You can't. But to your point, yes. I mean, Oklahoma's not – they're not light years away from that. And yet this has been a, a nice little remind, well, not a nice little reminder, but an illustration that Oklahoma last season, when they were winning all these close games, hey, that's, that's great to be 9-0. But uh, when you win a certain way and you don't beat teams convincingly because you're not convincingly the, the better team, these types of things can start to happen here where now Oklahoma's a 5-5 five and five football team. And, again, I go back to the offseason of infighting. I don't think there's a right side to be on, Plank. No. Because, well, you know, Oklahoma's not that far away from being an 8-2 and two team right now. But you know what? They are what they are. They're they're a five and five team for a reason right now. So I don't think that there's this ironclad. You're on the right side of either piece of the equation. And I'm not again using the term close. Please, I'm not saying that because I know how triggering that is. But it is. It has just to me, and I've said this a thousand times on this show. And I make this clear, and I'll make this clear, even if this team loses its last two games. I am Team Brent Venables all the way, man. I I think if anything, you're seeing seeing what he has been talking about play out in front of our face, in front of our eyes. It is the details. Effort with technique. Now, did I question some of the moments where they thought – hey, in these elements, maybe we shouldn't kick a field goal here? Sure. But, I mean, you take points however you thought you could, and Zach Schmidt had been pretty automatic in his pregame warm-ups, but I digress. Outside of that, I if you're coming to this show and you're wanting to say, these, this staff is just not ready, no, I'm not your guy. This ain't your place. And they, they could come, and I've said this a lot, that turnip seed and, and Woody and those guys could say, Plank, we're, we're moving on. We're going in a different direction. We don't want you on the sidelines anymore. And I would still say, hey, man, I'm going to miss celebrating those championships with you guys because I firmly, firmly believe that they'll get it turned around and that this is going to be a program heading into the SEC that is going to be where it needs to be. That still, that still doesn't mean that you can't be frustrated, disappointed, shocked, angry with where they are you can believe in the guy the man the program where they're headed but you can still be bent about where they are right now and I think that's also sometimes part of the fight part of that infighting that you talk about Josh to where there is this certain faction that's like well 
How dare you even question things? Well, yeah, I watched the game on Saturday, and so that's why. And I've watched all ten of them this year. So it's just I, I've never really understood that. Um, woof. Wow, this is a lot of really good stuff on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Really good stuff. 405-651-3439. You can go the old-fashioned way. You can call us on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000. Or if you're just a Twitter dude or or dudette, at Plank Show, at Josh on Ref, hit us up. This is the home of Sooner fans. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on the Rev. Um, yeah, this is good. Let, let's just start rolling through the the text line. Has been what would you say? Infighting is what your concern is this off season. It's oh, it's a, not a concern. It's a it's a reality, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, that's whenever I knew Josh that things were going poorly for the NWO. They expanded too far, and infighting started. You know, maybe for me it was adding Scott Norton uh, to the NWO, and I was like, I don't even know who that is. But, you know, the faction got too big. There were too many people and started the infighting. Absolutely it did. I mean, Hollywood was supposed to be the guy, but then Kevin Nash wanted the title, and Scott Hall wanted his shot, and the, the, you're bringing in Sting. I mean, it just it creates too much confusion. You can't have infighting. But I got this off the Super Secret Textosa line, and I, I think this is – how most people feel. I get and agree with your point, but West Virginia is a bad team who played bad and beat us. It doesn't take elite talent or attention to the minute details to beat that team. But I do agree with you on Brent. That's a fair point. That's a... I mean, West Virginia beat Oklahoma on Saturday and still fired their athletic director today. Which means Neil Brown won that game on Saturday... And he's still going to get fired at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. That's exactly what that means. West Virginia beat Oklahoma for the first uh, for the first time as members of the Big Twelve. And guess what? Their coach is still getting fired. So, that's yeah, a bad football team. It's a good point. Uh, Clearwater sooner. And I don't know why they're like uh, hundreds of texts we've already got, but for some reason the first one I'm going to read is the one that literally just came in one minute ago. Because I I don't mind defending my point. Uh, what have you seen that makes you think this staff is going to win championships? It seems to me that they can't coach these players to do the most basic of things correctly. Can't line up correctly, undisciplined, stupid penalties. I haven't seen any improvement at all in these areas. I see no evidence that would lead me to think a national championship should ever be expected from this staff. Well, I mean, yeah, if you just look at five and five. If you decide that you're just going to look at this season and that's going to be the entire book, well, I would say that all right, there's a, there's an Old Testament here that maybe if you look back on a little bit can give you some hope. Yeah, I know Brent Venables is a first-time head coach, but he's got pretty good history of putting together a defense. I know Jeff Levy's offense has struggled to find its consistency this year, but – there's a pretty good history of Jeff Levy having success. Todd Bates didn't leave where he was going to be the defensive coordinator and probably probably right like the top assistant to the head coach at Clemson and come here unless there's a belief that he's going to be able to get some big-time things done. Jay Vali coached 
in a national championship game last year. Miguel Chavis is one of the brightest up-and-coming defensive line coaches, I believe, in the staff because of what I've seen in the past and because of maybe a little bit of how the sausage is made that I've seen here. I don't have great evidence that I can show you from what's happened over the last, you know, seven games. I'm going to fail miserably there. I just accept that. You know, there's certain things that I know are going to happen that I can't really truly explain. I know that when I breathe, oxygen is going to be there. Um, Right? It's just, I'm sure there's someone that can start talking about photosynthesis and get into all the things that I slept about during science class, but I just know I'm not going to suffocate. I, I feel like that I, this this staff is going to get it done. I really, truly do. But I don't got great evidence from this year. I don't know what else to tell you. Not not from the five and five results on the nope. field, right? And, and listen, I'm not even trying to go back and say, look back at the first three. Not even using that. It's just it's my belief. Um, here's one for the 918, Josh, and I think you'll like. Plankett's in a lot of different spots. Gabriel can't throw medium to short yardage passes as well as long balls? How is that even possible? Our O-line can't block anyone on third and fourth and one, and why is Levy running into stacked nine-man boxes and never going off tackle or outside sweeps? They know exactly what's coming. It always seems as if the offense gets bogged down when we get to the 40. Why? Because the long ball is taken away. And to be honest, I mean, Josh, I think that's one of my frustrations this year is how many missed opportunities they've had on said long ball. They've had many more opportunities to hit big plays than I think they've executed on. And especially Saturday when things offensively wind up going the way that they went, man, you get an opportunity to hit on one of those plays. It can't be a drop, right? I mean, you've got to haul that in. I know that – Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I, I know that we all feel great about Mims and think he's got a great NFL future, and he does. But, boy, you're, I mean, you're counting on your stars to be stars for this team. Your stars have to be stars. Mims is having a really good year, but it should be better. And he knows that. I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Frustration was boiling over on Saturday. It's just, you hate to see it. And it was boiling over. For Mims. Not mad, not like fighting with anyone mad at himself. Frustration was boiling over. And you hate it because there was so much hope from him, and it just hasn't materialized. Good question for the... 918's on fire this morning. Blake, indulge me. When people see a coach have success with other coaches' players, they say it's the previous coaches' players. Why then don't they do it um, the other way when a coach is not having as much success as a new coach? Well, that is a fun thing about analysis and being a hot taker. It kind of is your choice. You choose which side you want to go. If you want to look and say how terrible things are at Miami and Oklahoma, uh, you would take shots at the coach, especially whenever the places that they left are doing pretty well, right? Clemson, I think, Josh, we'll have a debate tomorrow. I think Clemson is one of the nine teams still alive for a playoff berth in my mind. 
you might disagree, but we'll get to it. Um, Oregon is still in position to play in the big uh, Pac-12 championship game, right? And you're for for both Cristobal and Riley. Well, excuse me, uh, for Cristobal and for Venables, you're seeing the guy that was there at your place before doing some good things, right? Obviously, Lincoln Riley has USC on the cusp of a Pac-12 championship. And what I saw Manny Diaz this this past week. Not not as much Diaz, obviously, as what you're seeing from Lincoln Riley, but it's also kind of buried a little bit more because the, the guy that you replaced is doing some good things somewhere else with other people's players. And there's this, okay, here's a great debate. I think that this is maybe more NFL, but we're talking about building a culture, building a culture. There is an ESPN.com article that asks this question, and I'll pose it to you to think about during the break, and then we'll go real in-depth with it. You ready? Yeah, let's hear it. I'm ready. Does culture even matter? in the transfer portal era. Here's the quote. You have to start thinking like NFL teams. You're rebuilding every offseason, personnel director for a Power 5 school said. Your culture is changing every year, and there's almost too much chaos to it. Let's debate and discuss if, if the attempt to build a culture and a foundation, if that's – the frustrating levels that you're at right now might get even more frustrating because of where college football is in this kind of modern era of the transfer portal. Think about it. Talk amongst yourselves. We'll get into it next right here on The Ref. So we were mentioning the article on ESPN.com from over the weekend that basically said culture doesn't matter, Um, at least that – Maybe you're you're constantly changing it every single year. We have to start thinking like NFL teams. You're rebuilding every offseason. A personnel director from a Power 5 school said, your culture is changing every year, and there's almost too much chaos to it. I don't know if I buy that, Josh. Do you? No, I don't buy it at all. And, well, I, I understand how the – how they arrive at that train station, so to speak, right? Because there is a little bit more upheaval than at any other point in college football history. But the the winning programs, the great programs, guess what? Part of what's going to help them continue to be successful is the built-in stability they've got with their coaching staffs, the built-in stability they've got in the culture that that coaching staff has built, Right. You, you look at uh, just the foundation of different programs around the country. Georgia, I mean, they lost a ton from last season team, right? Now, part of it is they've recruited well and they've got talented guys, and you, you got to keep feeding the monster. And college football itself is inherently kind of upheaval, right? I mean, that's sort of the name of the game. You don't have people on 10-year contracts as players. But uh, a lot of why they're successful, Plank, is Kirby Smart's built a culture, right? That's right. What does Shane Beamer say a lot? If you walked into the Georgia facility and you went through their meetings, everything is done like Alabama and Nick Saban did when Kirby Smart was there. You basically replace the A logo with the Georgia G. And I think you're seeing the same thing in Oklahoma. And it's just 
second time. I firmly believe culture matters. I firmly believe it. I think that it's necessary. I mean, how we help create part of that culture, right, with our passion and our fandom. And there's not a lot of not a lot of college football programs out there that have a radio station that's live from 6A to 6P that's just dedicated to coverage of your team. Alabama has it. I mean, maybe Clemson has it. I mean, you, you guys are part of that culture. We are part of that culture. But I, a winning culture helps more than anything else, right, in developing guys for the NFL. Oklahoma's just got to get it turned around. All right, there is one thing I do want to see, though, Josh. There is one thing that I feel like is necessary. And I saw it happen yesterday in the National Football League. I think there is one thing for Oklahoma that needs to take place ASAP. And we'll talk about it next. Hour one, as always, is brought to you by Mark and Tessa over at Van Hoos Fence. You can learn more about getting your fence ready for winter weather. VHFence.com. That's VHFence.com. Or call them today at 405-735-1167.